We're starting a series where we're thinking about some of our essentials as Christians as we go towards the day of Pentecost. And today we're thinking about what it means to be in the image of God. And the Bible begins in the book of Genesis with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was brooding over the waters. And then God said, and this begins the story of God as creator. And one of the first things we know and understand about God is that God is a creator God. We've been singing that, that God is incredibly creative. And I don't know about you, but when I am out and about in the world, particularly in the springtime, uh, I just am just impacted again by the creative power and nature of God. I mean, if we just look at the incredible blossoms we've been enjoying. They've been fantastic this spring, haven't they? Even though the weather's been awful, the blossoms have been great. And, you know, it's like when you look at the, the, the a starry night and you see the, the, the galaxy and you think about the infinite, expanding galaxy that, that's in there, you think, that is amazing. God, did you make all that? You must be immense. If you see the beauty of the oceans and, and the, the power of them, and again, it kind of calls to mind the greatness of God or the mountains or just the detail of animals and, and creatures and little insects that have all this diversity. God, th this world is not here by chance. There's a creator behind it. Did you, do you feel like that? And I, and I think that the Bible tells us, if you like, that creation itself speaks about God. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist wrote. But it feels to me as if God wasn't content just to have an inarticulate creation that God wanted his image to be carried to the ends of the earth. And in Genesis chapter 1, we read about the creation story. And it's a, it's a, a story, a profound story, the stories that are recorded in, in the, the first few books of the Bible. And we can meditate on them for a long time. But Genesis 1 says, God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he'd made. It was very good. There was evening. There was morning. The sixth day. So this is the picture there. Here we are. Human beings made in the image of God. So if you look around at the congregation today, with all of our diversity of age and stage and size and ethnicity, we're all made in the image of God. Extraordinary, isn't it? Now, I'm going to be a bit speculative here. Because the story goes on in Genesis about the serpent that tempts Eve. And it's a story that's so familiar that probably most of us will know that story really well. But... You know, Christian theology has, has, has suggests that as well as a good creator God, there's another power at work in the universe. A systemic power, maybe a power that was involved 
in creation that maybe a fallen power that the Bible sometimes calls Satan or the devil. And that it seems to me, this is my firm conviction, is that, if, I'll, I'll use the word Satan, that evil, but Satan hates the image of God. There's something of an implacable hatred. And therefore, there's a hatred of those who are made in the image of God, human beings. And if you like, this is perhaps an uncomfortable reality, if it's true, which I believe it is, that we have, if you like, an invisible enemy that hates the image of God in us. And that what that, that power of evil seeks to do is to spoil the image, to spoil the image in all kinds of ways, either to distort the image or to oppress the image. And I think if you look at the history of humanity, made in the image of God and made good, what went wrong? And as we look at the world and as we look at the human race and the, the painful history of humanity, what we see is the image of God distorted, abused, or hurt. I just wanted to major a little bit about women and childbirth because Genesis 3 goes on, and it is kind of like appropriate, isn't it? We're at a dedication service, and um, Chris and Nick have shared really transparently with us the challenges for them about getting pregnant and having a baby. Genesis 3 says this. It's after the story of the fall, which I'm not going to unpack. But um, God said to the snake, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And I think what we have here, again, in this extraordinary story, is a picture of a disordered creation. Something that God called out of chaos and brought his order there. There's something about the consequences of, of a broken relationship with God, a, a broken trust of God from human beings, of, a, of an agency, of a, of a malign, malicious power that wants to distort the image of God that we have a disordered consequence in our lives that actually affects that primal picture of God that's made men and women created equally in his image, now something distorted and wrong. And I just want to make a suggestion to you. Is there a particular malice from the power of evil towards women? And I want to suggest that, if you like, evil bears a grudge. And I want to ask you the question, who is the one that will crush the serpent's head and you will bruise his heel? Who's that talking about? Any answers? We believe it's Jesus. We believe that that ancient prophecy, if you like, relates directly to Jesus Christ who comes to bear the image of God in the world. The image of the invisible God supremely revealed in Jesus Christ. And he is the one who crushes the serpent's head at the cross, when Jesus dies for us, and who in the process his heel is bruised. And the reason that Jesus came into the world, or one of the agencies how that happened, is because a woman said yes to a divine call and commission. When Mary said yes, the angelic message, be, be to it as um, you're, you're, I'm your humble servant, really, um, then 
she willingly cooperated with the good purposes of God that a deliverer, a savior, might be born, not just for Israel, but for the whole human race. And I think in the satanic economy, if you like, there is a particular malice to women. And, um, and maybe that's expressed through all the challenges around sexual oppression of women, around childbirth and all that goes with it. And I, I also want to suggest that in many ways, um, men have colluded with Satan to oppress women. Because the nature of the kingdom of God is very different from the nature of our world. The nature of power in the kingdom of God is very different from the, 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 the way that human beings work it out. And when Jesus came into the world bearing the image of God, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for money. For, for, for money. Slip <laughs> 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 of the tongue. <laughs> as a ransom for money. And, and what, what Jesus does as he models the kingdom of God is, first of all, it's an upside down way of doing it, isn't it? It's a servant leadership. And it's really interesting, isn't it, the way that Jesus calls women and identifies women in that process of a restored, renewed humanity. So I, I believe that we, the people of God, are actually meant to have the image of God restored in us. And that, if you like, the human history could be divided into a power of evil that wants to distort and hurt the image of God in human beings. And a power of goodness that wants to restore the image of God in all of us. And as, as you look at, at the history of the world, you can see it in, in so many ways. What does an oppressive evil power do at its best? is to dehumanize, at its most powerful, is to dehumanize people. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated with the story of the Third Reich and the Holocaust. And what I see there is oppressive power dehumanizing others. I, th I see the Auschwitz, the concentration camps, as places where people were systematically dehumanized. I sometimes see where um, that image of God can be distorted in so many ways, can it? Not just by um, people who collude with evil and become themselves oppressors rather than creators, but where, where people... Are, are enslaved by anxiety and fear, and the image of God is built in them. Where the creative power of God is diminished and people are, are in, in, in tight, little, narrow bands. Where, where, where the compassion and, and mercy and humility of God is, is, is not revealed and people become selfish and hard-hearted. But I also see the opposite. So today, we've, we've got two images. We've had Rosa held before us as someone who, in her innocence displays something of God's creative beauty. The fact that her heart goes easily out towards people. And what we want for her is to grow in the image of God. That for her in life to thrive, to be confident, to achieve womanhood, to be able to be somebody who is kind of just lovely and lives life to the full. 
And I, I'm sure that our prayers and the prayers of, of her mum and dad will be that she'll be protected from things that spoil the image of God in her. And they would grieve if something hurt and distorted her. She became less than all that she had the potential to be. And as they pray for her, they'll be sharing the heart of God for her. But we see little Rosa, and our prayer for her today is that she will fully bear the image of God, and that her innocence will grow into maturity, and that she will be a light in the world. But we've also seen today the story of Shaz, who gave his testimony and talked about a broken life, a distorted life. There's something about addiction, actually, that really distorts people. I've had many friends and acquaintances who, who, who are addicts, and I can see how sometimes that really diminishes the humanity, that degrades people, that, um, that takes their full expansive personality, and, and it's located just around the drug and scoring and getting hit, and they're willing to lie and cheat in order to do that. So people end up lying and hurting their friends and families and, and, and maybe ending up destitute and all that kind of stuff because of, of their humanity being diminished in that. And what I see as well is God's pleasure in restoring humanity. His absolute pleasure in doing that. To say that, no, Satan will not have the last word over this life. And, and it's wonderful to see in Shaz's little story, in that Alpha Testimony, of someone whose humanity is being restored. And in the life of Jesus, Jesus who bears the image of God is always restoring humanity. Jesus sees somebody who's an extortioner, a cheat, a thug. He's called Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus can look at him and see the image of God and say, you weren't made for that. You were not made to oppress other people. He says, I want to come to your house, Zacchaeus. And when he goes to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus, who is being drawn to the image of God in Jesus, I want to be like you, Jesus. And he says, you know, I'm going to pay back everybody that I've, I've cheated four times. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to become generous. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because is not this man true, a son of Abraham. And the image of his true humanity is being restored in that moment. And from being a cheat and a thug, he becomes a man of generosity and mercy. The image of God being restored in him. And Jesus does that, doesn't he? He takes people of victims and turns them into ministers. He takes sick people and he speaks heen to them and, and, and restores them all the time. There's, he, he takes the, the, the people who are on the edge and says, come right into the center. He does that with women. He takes Mary and she sits at his feet as a disciple. And, and the first person Jesus speaks to when he's risen from the dead is Mary and commissions her to go and tell the other apostles where to find him. Because Jesus loves to restore humanity. He loves to, to turn that on its head. And, you know, we can be dominators, can't we? You know, I, I just want to kind of say that the, the, the history of womankind in the world, actually, is one where there's been male domination. And actually, that's been true. That, that's, that's bled into the church. Too often, the church, the kingdom of this world comes into the church instead of the church bearing the image of the upside-down kingdom of God. So just apologize to, um, to, to any women who felt that they've actually been oppressed and diminished by agencies within church because actually that is not the agency of the kingdom of God. That's where religion penetrates the thing that we, we are, you know? 
So uh, just a couple of challenges for us as we come into land, and we're going to have communion. Um, and and in, in communion, you know, we're, we're, we're invited. We're invited to come and be part of God's family and have our image restored. But I want to say, first of all, for you, do you know what the image of God is in you today? Do you know that the, the particular attributes, the qualities, the gifts that you have, that because God made you, made you in his image? Are you a creative person today? Because God made you a creator. Are you a loving and compassionate person? Because God made you to love other people. Are you someone who wants to serve and empower others? That's because God is like that himself. And I want to say to you, if in your life there are pressures that are trying to diminish the image of God in you, be aware and resist those pressures. Be creative. Be loving. Don't let the bruising and hardship of life, don't let the antagonism or, or, or hurts of other people make you bitter or crabbed. Let God allow you to be all that you are meant to be. Jesus loved to see people. He'd see the treasure in people. He'd see someone like um, Nathaniel and says to him, this guy has been disparaging, actually, <laughs> of Jesus. Can any good come out of Nazareth? And he looks at this guy in John's Gospel. He says, you're a true Israelite and in whom there's no guile. And, and it kind of calls something out in him. It's a mysterious story to me. There's something that Jesus calls out. He can look at a Peter who's going nowhere. He's, he's not being called to be a rabbi or anyone very special. He's just a working man doing the fishing boat. So Jesus looks at him and says, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And he calls out the treasure from Peter. So I want to say, let God call out the treasure in you. But I also want to say to you, let God use you to call out the treasure in others. Actually, our youth team and our children's team today, they will be working with our young people wanting to call out the treasure in them. That's part of the role of youth and, and, and children's ministry. That's part of the role of, of parenting. How do we call out the treasure in our kids? How do we help them become all that they're, they're called to be? But can we do that too with the people that we meet in life? I don't know how you feel when you encounter someone who's challenging, who's a bit scary, who's a bit intimidating, who's a bit nasty, <laughs> or, 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 you, or maybe someone perhaps that you despise or you want to pass by. God sees his image in them. Every human life is sacred, actually. And I think we have a call as a church family, as part of what it means to see a restored humanity, to see the treasure in people who don't yet know who they are and call out from them. Part of what we, we love to practice in this church is something that we call prophecy, which is bringing the words of revelation and encouragement from God. And one of the best definitions of, of prophecy that I know is to, to call out the treasure in people, to look at someone and say, you don't really know who you are yet, but God sees you and you could be this. Are you willing to step into the life that God has? And I think we can do that with, not just with people who are here in a church context, but out there in the wider world, in the wider community. And I wonder too whether sometimes we just step away from all the challenging relationships in our life. We're on to think, can I reorientate that relationship in the light of seeing the image of God? Can I celebrate in that person who's challenging all the good things when I see them? I want to be like that. Even where, where someone isn't all there yet, I want to celebrate and call out and thank God for the words of compassion, the words of kindness, any little deed 
because I want people to, to, to move into that. Just a couple of Bible verses as I finish. This is from the book of Colossians. You know, when Jesus came into the world, God became flesh. And Jesus, one of the things that Jesus is, is not just God's divine son, but also spirit-filled, renewed humanity. He's both and, fully God and fully man. And because he bears the image of God uh, perfectly, he's someone that we imitate and want to be like. Here we are, Colossians chapter 1. And Colossians chapter 1 says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Let's read the life of Jesus and look at Jesus. If we're a Christian, we're following Jesus. He's the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And it goes on to say, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith. Establish and firm. Don't move from the hope held out from the gospel. So this is speaking about this God and this Son of God is restoring us who were enemies and if Jesus moves towards the enemies and says, I want to call out treasure from you, can we move towards our enemies sometimes and call out treasure? That neighbor who's so difficult, can you do something that you recognize something in there? Say, God, your God's looking really good, isn't it? I wish my God, you know. Well, no, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> think about it. But it goes on in Colossians 3. He calls us to walk out the image of God. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie, don't lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile, Jew, circumcised or Scythian, sorry, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. It's a restored humanity in the image of God. People from different races and backgrounds and ages and stages and the genders coming together. All 15 of them. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When we put on love, when we live this Christian lifestyle, when we try and imitate Jesus Christ, in that posture of loving God and choosing to follow him, we become a temple for God to fill with his spirit. We become able to be image bearers of the living God as he restores us. And we're a work in progress. I'm not finished yet. But I want my capacity to look like God, to be expanded in life, not diminished. And I want to pray that for you too. So as we finish now and, and go into communion, which Tim's going to lead us, it may be that after you've taken the bread and the grape juice, 
there'll be a chance at the front here particularly for prayer and if you feel first of all maybe you're someone who perhaps as a woman feels actually I've been dominated uh, and hurt or not given space to come into my own then maybe we could pray for God to, to really heal and restore you maybe that you're carrying other things where you feel like the image of God in you has been hurt and distorted and you'd like to have restoration love to pray with you after communion